1: Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host Scott Telford, joined by Josh Brown. Hello,
0: Scott Telford.
1: Josh Brown, how are you doing in this particular year? Once the gaming things have kicked in, well, they have for you, but they haven't for me yet. I mean, which the is a shame. Mate.
0: Oh well, there's plenty to talk about. Put it that way. Yeah. I don't think we've had such. A news push for months. I can't remember like nope. coming in every day and mm-hmm. having multiple things to the to-, to talk about to the point where we're doing you know hour and fifteen m um, <laughs> podcasts every <laughs> other day. It's crazy, man.
1: It's got to be done. Um, yeah, we thought, why not just do another news podcast? Me and you love the news. The news lads. This is the news lads. We once had that <laughs> well, throwback. I've not heard that in a while. I've still got the graphic for that somewhere. Us with that little pork pie hats. On. I found
0: um, I was doing a big spring clean. Out the other day, nice. and I found the Wakultu Gaming t shirt that. Uh- our beloved Rich Hudson made Shout while he's still working here, which were just incredible, by the way. Oh, yeah, this yeah, This was yeah. just like the basic one in the, I think it's the Super Nintendo um, Entertainment the System The one that's definitely not font. the Metal Gear font. The one, the one that yeah. I thought was, I was the Metal, thought Gear Metal Gear font for ages, but I, I got that out and I was like, oh, he was good one. He, yeah. He was, he's bloody good at what he does. That Shout Rich out to Rich Hudson.
1: Hudson. Shout out to Frontier Developments, uh, where the man is now currently developing video games. Dude's doing very well for himself. Shout out to all the what Culture Gaming alumni. Um, but like I said, we'll get through a whole bunch of news stories because there's tons Josh Brown, there's a PlayStation 5 Pro in development coming later this year. According to Cantan Games' Sirkin Toto, as reported by CNBC, speaking to CNBC, CEO of the consultancy firm Cantan Games, uh, Toto said there seems to be a broad consensus in the game industry that Sony are indeed preparing a launch of the PlayStation 5 Pro in the second half of 2024. The main reason is apparently because they want to prepare for GTA 6. Um, Sony will want to make sure that they have a great piece of hardware ready for when GTA 6 hits in 2025, a launch that will be a shot in the arm for the entire game's industry. Um, we'll get to some wider Sony stuff in a bit, but th- thoughts and reactions? You
0: know what? I love my PlayStation 4 Pro, mm. as I've said many times before. I jumped in on that and I thought it was a worthy upgrade. I don't know how they're going to really sell <laughs> a PlayStation 5 Pro uh-huh. when... They will announce it. They will maybe even release it this fall, like this report suggests. Mm. But at the same time, their current CEO is talking about how the PlayStation 5 is already in the latter stages of its life cycle. Mm-hmm. And with. It'll you enter know, them, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: It was just because that got misquoted. It was a whole oh, thing. okay. It was a okay. whole thing online. I didn't know it was misquoted.
0: That's actually interesting. It's a whole
1: thing because the dude's quote was saying that um, going forward, it will enter its latter stages. He wasn't saying it's there just yet. It's like. You know, even then, I'm just saving. E-
0: even you. then, if you're saying that it's going into the latter stages of its lifestyle, yes. I still think this point stands. If you're already looking towards the future of PlayStation, towards a PlayStation Six, even if that is three or four years mm. away, and you're already—I know they're obviously going to be planning for that anyway—but if you're already talking about it in those terms, mm-hmm. why would people who already own a PlayStation Five? Buy into the Pro with presumably a new piece of hardware coming mm-hmm. sooner rather than later because I mean even if it is only now entering the latter stages of its lifestyle he was also talking about and again hopefully this wasn't a misquote <laughs> either um, talking about um, PlayStation 5 sales trailing off a little bit and how totally. they're kind of wanting to wrap that up a little bit mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think a PS5 Pro makes sense when you have a big game like GTA coming out and it makes sense if you want to increase those margins on hardware sales like mm. Sony does for um, new players that are coming in, but it, it's going to be even more optional, I think, than the PlayStation 4 Pro was back in 2016, and that was already pretty optional. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think like it's the GTA 6 side of it is interesting because obviously we got a PlayStation 4 uh, patch for um, GTA 5. We go back so many years. Um, But that idea of like, oh, we're going to do a PlayStation 5 Pro for GTA 6, well, that would assumedly mean that Rockstar know about this thing and have been developing with it in mind for however long GTA 6, how long they've been able to for the last few years um, to make the most of that system. Or does GTA 6 then get a PS5 Pro patch sometime in 2025 to, you know, try and spruce it up even more and then you just double, you sell it again. It's a 10 pound upgrade or whatever it is. Um, I could see them doing that. Probably a bit more I think.
0: I think the core PlayStation 5 Pro hardware will give it one of those like natural boosts, like upscale mm. it a little bit, maybe allow it to run a bit better. And then it wouldn't surprise me if either at launch or a few months after, like you said, there'll be an official patch that, yeah. you know, really takes um, advantage of that extra hardware but my question is what is that extra hardware going to be is it just going to free up the resolution in the frame rate i'll be pushing towards 8k now yes. like what what can you get out of the playstation 5 pro mm-hmm. that we can't currently get out of the playstation 5 because you know we've talked so many times about sony's exclusives or maybe lack thereof mm. dedicated to the playstation 5 itself mm-hmm. and i don't feel like we've even scratched the surface of that machine yet. We've, we, yeah, we've seen a few Unreal Engine 5 games, but I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we've seen a proper big AAA Unreal 5 five game that has all of the features switched on, like no. everything that was shown off in that big blowout a few years ago.
1: Yeah, man. I think they, it's not that they made a promise for like 4K60 or whatever, but I feel like that became, or at least is talked about a benchmark for the generation, but it's yeah. so few games can nail 4K60, um, at least native 4K. Like, like obviously you get upscaled stuff and whatever um, but I have long lamented choosing between fidelity, uh, like performance mode and graphics mode, whatever, just just optimise it, I don't, I'm not <laughs> i am not on PC, I just want to play <laughs> the thing as well as you can optimise it and if that means a 40 FPS mode but the resolution's higher, then do that like obviously you still want the responsiveness to be there but I just, I always just want the um, whatever the best realisation of the artist's vision is and just give me that, I hate having to tweak stuff, if I choose one thing, I'm locking the other one off and I I, was just, I just hate that reality of gaming. I didn't get into PC gaming for a reason, and you've made me into a PC gamer. I understand that. I do get where that frustration comes from. I just, I think in the console
0: space, we're so far away from that, and I kind of, I feel like I don't love it necessarily either, mm. but I like since 2013, I think the dream of a console being this simple thing where you put in a disc and you instantly jump into a game and it's the most oh, they've optimized changed, version yeah, yeah. of it. Like We've got so far away from that. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, personally. I don't mind if I have to choose between three different options, you know. Oh. I, I'll always go quality mode anyway, you know. <laughs> Unless it's something that I really feel needs that extra frame rate, right. though the extra frame rate is always nice regardless. Mm-hmm. So the push to more options, to me, is fine. And I think that's what the PlayStation 5 Pro is going to be. And that's how I'm going to think of it going forward. It's not this must-have machine necessarily, unless maybe you don't have a PlayStation Five and it's a more lucrative option if you're wanting to jump in, you know, GTA <laughs> Six or Ghost of Tsushima Two or whatever else mm-hmm. Sony has planned, Death Stranding Two. But it's going to be treated, I think, like an iPhone 15 Pro, something yeah. that is additive, something that is extra if you want it, but, but something that is ultimately non-essential to um, the core gaming experience. I mean, like games like The Last of Us 2 and God of War, um, I'm sure God of War Ragnarok as well, like mm-hmm. they were coming out on the base PlayStation 4 still, you know, and people still got to experience those games or at least a version of those games. And I think that's just kind of the model going forward. We're always going to have true PS5 exclusives. And now we're just <laughs> All having- three of them. And now we're just going to have more options. We're going to have the options we already have on the PlayStation 5 and then probably Um, six more on the PlayStation 5 Pro to really allow you to tweak what exact resolution you want, what frame rate you want to hit, what you're prioritizing. Do you want ray tracing on? Do you want ray tracing off? Do you want maximized ray tracing? Do you want um, minimized ray tracing? And I know that's your nightmare, but I'm
1: I'm all right with it. I'm living it. I'm living this nightmare. I'm curious what people think, though, before I I read some more stuff out. But that general idea of um, the console promise, when consoles became a thing, the idea of you don't have to think about any of that stuff... Um, the assumption to me on behalf of a pro system, on behalf of whatever the latest hardware is, is I'm paying for that problem to go away. I'm paying for that stuff to be automatically handled in the background because I'm not going to get stuck into all the different menus and tweaks. And like, oh, I start the game and oh, that, the edge of that texture is a little bit jagged. I'm going to go back in. I'm going to change a different thing. Let me change the way the lighting works in this scene. I despise that stuff. Like, I just want to get on with the game. He's the issue with that, I
0: think, and, and it's not y- y- you problem at all, I don't think. I think the I'll issue is on. with video game fans, as we all are, hopefully, on this channel, um, everyone wants something else right out of their mm. games. How many times in the office, on podcasts, on videos, in our DMs, every single day, do we talk about <laughs> what do we prefer out of games? Do yeah, we yeah, yeah. prefer graphics? Do we prefer gameplay? Do we care about this? Do we care about that? everyone has something um, different that they prefer, right? Everyone has a different idea of what optimization even is. Your mm-hmm. dream optimization might be 4K 30, might be 4K 60. Mine yes. might be, you know, 1080p 120 or something, you know right. what I mean? So I always feel like when you talk, no, you specifically, mm-hmm. the just general people talk about like that kind of idea of, What is just the most optimized version of the game? I don't think there is one because everyone's going to want something slightly different. And you can say, it's obviously fine for a developer to go, right, this is our vision. This is what we're aiming for. Champion, solid. Mm -hmm. But if you're saying like, what is the perfect version of this game? That is going to change so much person by person that it's going to be, I think, impossible to nail down. So having these options here can only be a good thing in my opinion I, I I think it'll ultimately get us away from those conversations of being like well what's better and it's like it kind of doesn't matter because you've got the option either way but obviously that's not quite the ideal um, landscape that um, has we've that, that it's transformed into. I no, I,
1: I totally get what you mean. I just think that like, I'm going down the, the art side where I'm just like, the, the creator makes a thing, this is how it's meant to be and cool, I'll, I'll, sta- I'll stand back and I'll play the thing. Um, and I think that like, the more options you put in there, there are op- they are options offered by the creator. Like, they, like you might say, oh, my, pref- my preference is 30 FPS. It's like, well, that's the option they're giving you yeah. as opposed to like, the performance ray tracing modes that were put into Spider-Man where you can get, um you can unlock the frame rate if you have the right TV for it Um, or it's like a 40 FPS thing with the ray tracing left on. Like, Ultimately, we want good, responsive video games, high frame rates, and we want good uh, visuals. And how do those match up as best as they can? And just because of the reality of the hardware, um, at some point, they had to split it and be like, well, we can sacrifice resolution to boost the frame rate, or the opposite. Um, And that's fine, but I think... like keeping asking people to fork out for like this is the pro model, this is the next model, this is the new thing. Yeah. Um there's something there and people call it a promise. Oh, they promised this, they promised that. Unless it's verbally been communicated. Then they've never promised anything. But there's an assumption of I will pay for this problem to go away and I will just buy the new hardware and it will run the thing as best as it can and I'm getting the best version of whatever that experience is. And um, but like you said, maybe there is just a reality of being a gamer these days. Like to me it was ever since the PlayStation 4 Pro where it's like we're specifically chasing the tech industry now. Yeah. because we can sell you a half step we can sell you ostensibly a graphics card every few years as opposed to one console every seven years and it's like that's an interesting pivot and the gaming industry always obviously was part of the tech industry but chasing those um, incremental uh, improvements every like you know every sort of few years, um, and then it's like, well, what does that actually give me on the game side? Well, the frame rates freed up maybe, but yeah. you still got to pick on the on the menu. You still got to pick the two unless they patch those things in. I
0: think it's really interesting the way you phrase that—that that you're chasing, I mean, that you're wanting a new machine or a pro version of a machine to make a problem go away. Yes. I've never thought about that before, and I'm really interested to see what you guys think down in the comments if that's how you approach this. Because i mm. just just—I've never sort of approached a pro model with that in mind of this is a problem and I want to make it go away like with the PlayStation 4 and Pro it was kind of like the opposite it was it was I want to see what else this has to offer. It was mm. the promise of, oh, will this game have a few more particle effects? Will it <laughs> um, be able to run games in HDR or whatever better than the original? How will it affect the PlayStation VR 2, which it which it did ultimately? So just
1: that for my thing, but like all yeah. those sliders are maxed out. Like all the, like it's, I'm just, I'm paying right. for all to unlock all that stuff all at once and not think about it.
0: Right. Okay. No, I think that's fair. I just, yeah. I, to me, there's no difference between the options we have now graphically and a difficult. Selector that we've had in in years mm. gone by, in terms of what you're talking about with authorial intent, like options have always been a part of a of any game. Even like Dark Souls, right. everyone can experience it slightly different through the options at your disposal. So I, I guess I get I just get caught up on that idea of like an artistic vision. Unless something for me released on one console using like the same television, the exact same specs, <laughs> the exact same options. <laughs> It would always have that variance. And I I love that about games personally. And I, I think, I don't know, to me, it's just always been a part of gaming, even as someone who has only ever played on consoles and mm. has never been into the real
1: weeds of um,
0: PC gaming.
1: I guess, yeah. It's, but it's, yeah, to me, it's like you would never choose something lesser. if the On the creative side, if they gave you 4K60, you wouldn't be like, well, I prefer 30 over 60. Like, fundamentally why would you choose a lesser performance like why not just get the best out of the system
0: i would but only because like i would prefer more graphical fidelity if that makes sense so i would sacrifice the frame rate if it meant a higher resolution Mm -hmm. and more stuff going on in the screen that's kind of that's what i get back to with um, the idea of like personal preference like yeah yeah maybe or someone else would see that as like a downgrade whereas i see that as like the ideal, right? I no, know. no, I
1: mean that like if you had a system, for example, the PlayStation 5 Pro, that just, the the games are really well optimized for it and their 4K60 is their benchmark and that's what they're locked to. Would you then lament that there's not a 30 FPS option because that's your preference?
0: Um, I don't think I'd be that asked about it. If it, like I said, if, if, if that's what the developers were aiming for mm. and that's just kind of what they said was the thing, that's fine. I just mean like if there are options, I don't mind. It's kind of like how, if there is a PlayStation 5 Pro, I won't mind. You know right. what I mean? It might not necessarily be for me. It's like not the not not the be all and end all, I mm. suppose. I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't I would be complaining that it didn't have a 4K30 um, right. option, mm-hmm. for instance. But I would be complaining if you could have maybe got more graphical features in the game. Mm-hmm. Like if, if they said we could have put it in and it would have been graphically more <laughs> splendid, the draw distance would have been better, uh-huh. then I would have lamented the option. Right. But if it was just like you said there, like the exact same image, mm-hmm. the exact same resolution, and you're just knocking the frame rate down, I don't mind that. That's not yeah, yeah,
1: my overall point is that the, for example, the Spider-Man performance ray tracing mode, if that was the only option in there and they launched with it, yeah. I think we'd all be like, that's gorgeous and it runs really well and it looks beautiful and everything else. I agree. Yeah. But I would also say, why limit
0: it for the people who do prefer frame rates and or people who do prefer um, resolution? Because there will be people out there who like it. Like, if if you can, why not? Because you're almost like, it's, yeah, fighting those other players because you prefer. No, again, not just you personally, but like you or other players prefer something else. So I always just think, why not? Well, but yeah, it's, a, it's
1: under the yeah, it's under the assumption that on the design side, they they balance and reducing the whole thing down to just a graphics bar. <laughs> A graphics bar and a performance bar. Yeah. But that assumption of like on the creative side they did as much as they could on both bars and then equated them and that's performance ray tracing mode. Like that idea, that's completely fine for me. There's obviously the questions come in about like oh if you guys focused on the visuals then what does the frame rate, what's that allowed to be? Which you can argue is the quality mode. Um, but it's just, that's the reality we've got to at, the, at this point and yeah. it's like throwing in like pro versions of systems. This is the second time Sony's done it um, and obviously Xbox launched with one this generation with the Series S, the Series X. It's just interesting because it fractures the like the ideal experience conversation which we never even had that in previous generations Um, and because it brings in that idea that is more associated with the PC space where it's like well if you just paid the money for the upgraded chip then all these sliders would be maxed out and you'd get the best experience it's like because that best experience is assumedly what the developers were aiming for but then they had to your own uh, system could only get so close to that perfect experience again I'm paying for the problem to go away. I do get what you mean I do and I think as console gamers we definitely
0: have had that luxury of not worrying about it the only thing I would push back on is I I think that conversation has always been there it's just more amplified now like Mm. you might never have thought about it in those terms but when I was gaming on the 360 I was worried about HDMI cables versus SCART cables I was worried about like getting the best version of those games even back then and I was aware you know that I wasn't getting Gears of War in 1080i or whatever the hell that (laughs) thing ran out at its its maximum Uh resolution so I guess yeah I guess the difference between us there would be like those questions of There's am I getting the variables. best version of this game has yeah. kind of always been in mind. I remember one of my biggest disappointments, and I love the game, but I remember when Crisis 2 came out on consoles nah. and I was watching footage of the PC um, edition of the game, and reviews of the PC edition, and they were talking about how great the explosions were, and how it was like this graphical mm. powerhouse, and it was no slouch on Xbox 360, but when I got my Xbox 360 version, I realized, ooh, this is not the same, this is a completely <laughs> different kettle of fish.
1: Same with Crisis 1, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it was just something that I was thinking about, like, way back then, so I guess, yeah, that was the big difference between where we're coming at this from, is just that perspective of that's always been on my mind in a way that it might not have necessarily been for you. No, I, I remember those recently. things too. I, I right. remember
1: getting the, um, I got a, um, a SCAR cable for SOCOM on the PS2 yeah. and I remember like, being able to read the text on screen again. <laughs> I just, to me, those things are way smaller differences, way smaller uh, improvements. They're more easily remedied than forking out £400 for another system or whatever it is. Oh, like for entire cool. graphics modes versus like a new cable.
0: I know, you, oh, I don't know, man. See, I don't, I, it, it's, we're it's, on two sides, I think. We're, like, we're, yeah, absolutely. I think
1: when you get to like that nitty-gritty it, you know, I
0: suppose it's just going to be yeah.
1: It's not going to be nitty-gritty to me because they're massively different. Like per- quality mode, performance mode, like a full rendering of a game is so different than plugging a different cable into the back of the console. No, but it's not just a cable. I need a new telly. You know, yeah. I might need a new console entirely that can actually either play those
0: or play them off a hard drive. You know, it's it, it's still h- hardware dependent to a yeah, certain extent, yeah. I think, and maybe even harder in the case of the, the difference between Crisis. M2 um, on Xbox and Crisis 2 on PC. Like that can't be solved with a cable, right? I'll need to go out and buy no. a PC. I'll need to go out and buy like then the highest tier parts for it, the mm-hmm. best processors, the best graphics cards, all of that stuff. Like it's... There's always been a jump between. No, it. Um, totally.
1: Yeah, that's sorry, that's yeah that's my thing with like the PC was always ahead. It always has yeah. been. Like uh, the four, the whole 4080 whatever the hell it is, most recent thing that blew up, and it's like consoles are trying to get there. In the crisis example, if there was a version of the Xbox that was offered at the time that would match the PC thing, you would probably pay the money and take it. Yeah, because then you're just matching what, you, what the thing is that you're looking at, as opposed to you fork out the money and then there's a bunch of options in it. Well, you can match the graphics, but not the frame rate. You can match the frame rate, but not the graphics. Like, yeah, that's the, always been the issue with me. But I, just, that's just a crystallize it.
0: No, no, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I just, I, I, I think the problem was the same but different, right? Mm. I feel like we are so used to cross-gen releases right now, for instance, that we've, not maybe not forget but kind of ignore that for a lo- for a long time you would get, you know, a version of Chaos Theory, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory oh, on game. PlayStation 2 and you get one on Xbox 360 and those games would be, would be radically different, oh, yeah. right? And if you wanted the better-looking version with maybe even completely different content, you would have to fork out you know, hundreds of quid for a new console Mm. and probably then a new tele HDMI cable, all of that jazz, Mm. if you wanted like the best version of that game, because they were even more different, I think, than they were now. Like to me, that's a more substantial difference in terms of literally how the game is even playing Mm -hmm. um, than what we have now with different graphical modes or frame rate benchmarks or anything. I think... Even though we have more options now, it's it's a little bit
1: more smoothed
0: out in that I think, regard. That? Yeah, am easy to
1: think that it is true that like there's yeah this conversation has been going on for a while. I think that the new one, um, the new version of this conversation, really came to light with the PS4 Pro. Like the amount yeah. of pieces that were done, headlines, general conversations around the PS4 Pro um, as we got the sort of console version of the, the PC, the reality of being a PC gamer. Um, I kind of view these Pro systems as graphics card upgrades, um, and I'm just like, do I have to pay this money to like I said to get the best version of what the creator was going for? That's Ultimately, is where I am and have yeah. been since the PS4 Pro. Um, but still, it's worth throwing in here that um, we talked a lot about PlayStation stuff in a recent podcast as well. Uh, go subscribe to the Lock Culture Gaming podcast because um, we broke down the most recent Sony financial call where interim CEO Hiroki Tsuchi was talking about them. Um, what's happening across the next year? They don't have any major exclusives until he says until the end of March 2025. Um, and they also mentioned in there that they expect the PlayStation 5's hardware sales to fall off, um, which came after the fact they under they uh, didn't hit their expected sales target. Although they're projected to not hit their sales target by about 4 million units anyway um, the assumption now with a PlayStation 5 Pro is that that would maybe bolster it or something not related to the financial core but now where we are with the CNBC report um, however in the CNBC report you have um, Senior Principal Analyst George uh, Gigi Ashvili if I get his name right um, saying that even though the, pre- uh, the Pro might come out it, he doesn't think that's actually going to change anything the mm-hmm. idea that the PlayStation 5 is entering its latter half the idea that people are they're satiated they're waiting whatever um, isn't necessarily the case, which I think is interesting. It's almost like, why do this other than just raw, pay the money and get a slightly better frame rate?
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much it, man. I think ultimately games are going to sell consoles, whether they're the PlayStation 5 Pro or the PlayStation 5 digital edition. Mm. And at this moment in time, we don't really have them. You know, I think we've had um, a lot of great Sony games, Mm. first party or second party or even some third party ones that play a little bit better on the PlayStation 5, but yeah, when you're looking to the future, what are people buying a PlayStation 5 for now? The fact that they've only mentioned GDS 6 is in itself telling, I think, (laughs) a big third party release. Mm -hmm. When do we get, I mean, I personally bought my PlayStation 4 Pro for The Last of Us Part Two. That Mm -hmm. was the big announcement that got me like you said, wanting the best possible version of that game I Mm. could possibly get. Mm -hmm. What does Sony have first party-wise that could entice people to want to upgrade or to want to jump in at that high price point? I think they need to show that before they um, start thinking that the PS4 5 Pro is just going to magically help their bottom line. I mean, it probably will. I think the last time I checked, it was something like 23% or 26% of all PlayStation 4 sales were the Pro, which I think, I think is pretty good Like, yeah, uh, yeah. to have a quarter of your sales be that premium edition of the console. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. That's got to help if they can manage something like that this time around. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they'll be pleased, but you never know with these big companies. (laughs) Uh, But I do think it ultimately comes back to the games. And what are people wanting to ravenously go out and buy a PlayStation 5, whatever version of it it may be, for?
1: There's a Nintendo Direct.
0: Oh, jolly, jolly, (laughs) jolly. What's (laughs) going to be at this one? Uh, Kirby, Shags a whale or something. I don't know what the hell that <laughs> freak does. What's what's going on here? He does
1: everything. You might be into this one because it's a partner showcase, which means it's not Nintendo first party. It's everything other than that. So there's gonna be
0: Bayonetta four. There's gonna be uh, another. F- false promise for Metroid Prime 4. I don't even know why I'm so negative on this. I'm just doing doing a bit.
1: Nintendo down on Nintendo is what he is. According to them, uh, their little statement, I'm not going to talk about it too much because by the time this goes live and people listen to it, most people, it'll be out by tomorrow. Right. Um, They've said there'll be 25 minutes of info focused on Nintendo Switch games coming in the first half of 2024 from our publishing and development partners. Lovely stuff. So not exclusives. The only exclusive they have as far as I know for the rest of the year is Princess Peach. They've they've just kind of hung back. Apparently there was a Nintendo Switch uh, Switch Nintendo Switch 2 announcement that was going to be coming um, very, very soon. Apparently they hung back to get out of the way of the Xbox showcase um, or the Xbox podcast and then it's all just been pushed back to next year and it's like, well, do you not want the open road? I guess they don't. They're just going to kind of get more Switch sales and then do the Switch 2 later. I guess they've got time, right?
0: Why not finish off the Switch's, you know, really prominent lifespan Mm. with the remaining, the remaining? The remainder games Mm. that you have left, the scant, few first-party exclusives you have alongside whatever your partners have to offer. And then you've got plenty of time to really focus on Switch 2 at the end of the year. Mm. Get people excited in the holiday season, get those pre-orders out, and then get a release date locked in. I wonder when the Switch 2 is going to be actually arriving. I know it's Q1, but that Mm. can mean a lot of things. Like, are we seeing it in March, similar to when we saw this original Switch? That would be cool. And what do you think they're holding back for? Because, you know, this... Partner, this uh, partnership direct is not going to show, you know, a Metroid Prime 4 or <laughs> the next Mario or the next Zelda or anything like that. But if they are, as the leaks suggest, holding off so they can have the strongest launch lineup possible, mm. as a fan who plays very few um, Switch games but really loves the idea of Nintendo and wants a Switch 2 to, to mm. come out strong, like, what is that? Is it a new Mario?
1: I, yeah, I think they're hanging back on, like, new Star Fox, new Metroid, all that kind of stuff for next year. So they the thing is, as well, they have the separate indie showcase streams for smaller games. So the assumption for me is that this has to be that middle tier. And I wonder if they end up just ramming it full of third-party ports that are, like, you know, the Red Faction, because they've done it before, like, Red Faction Guerrilla is coming to Switch or, like, yeah. whatever. Like, various beloved Xbox 360 slash PS3 era gems that aren't available on Backwards compat, especially on the PlayStation side, you can just get a Switch version of that with, like, a graphics upgrade. Kind of like the Tomb Raider. Every master, yeah, um, or something like that. I wonder if they've got a bunch of those in the wings. Oh man, I know they they want Dead to right. do it. <laughs> Dead, to right, Dead to rights, I love it. Right's in there. Dead to rights, stubs the zombie. Yeah, all of those beauties.
0: Um, I wonder they won't do it at this one because the hardware isn't announced yet. But I just realised that towards the end of the year, when the Switch Two is formally unveiled, mm. we're going to start seeing those third party ports for new games. Um, yeah be advertised for Switch 2 because it seems like they're really doubling down on that kind of third-party partnership. We know from the Microsoft FTC trial that and um, they're looking to put games like Call of Duty on the Switch 2. Mm. So it's going to be fascinating, I think, to see how those partnerships develop, and to start seeing trailers for big third-party releases, new third-party releases running on Switch 2 hardware. I hope <laughs> it's better than the likes of The Witcher 3 and The Outer Wilds well, was on Switch, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah,
1: this is like, we said it in the big PlayStation video that we did earlier in the week, like, this is such a stopgap, yeah, for all three systems just as they f- read the road and try and figure out the terrain of what the hell the generation's going to be for the rest of it. And I think this'll just be how do we make people smile for the rest of the year? Yeah, Not worrying about the exclusives. They, I I imagine they're hung hung back, hanged back for the next system. Um, Yeah, I'll be amazed if there's something genuinely head-turning here, but they always deliver.
0: Probably kicking themselves because they're Nintendo. They don't care what everyone else is doing, but it is... If I was working for them, which is probably a bad idea because I this this is maybe too... You'd shut them down. Yeah, I'd, shut, I'd shut them down. I hate them. Crap.
1: Kirby, get in the bin. You're going to, you're going to prison, son. Does Kirby Vendetta deserve its own <laughs> podcast at some point? Or making you play them? I, I don't know. One of the two. Yeah, I'll, I'll Maybe play it's them the same thing. When you when you turn 40, I'll
0: play them all for
1: you. <laughs> Make <laughs> the, it a gift to my child. Yeah,
0: I me and your kid will go for it yeah. together. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, I wonder if they're kicking themselves by having this open... Um, pathway like you mentioned mm. where the two big competitors don't have all that much from a first price sense to offer. I know Xbox has a few things avowed and probably something else I'm forgetting about but it's it's pretty empty is what I'm trying to oh, say. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it'll hurt them too much because you know new hardware is going to be huge. People are ravenous for the Switch and I'm sure they will be ravenous for the Switch too as long as they market it right and mm-hmm. if you have big games I don't think it'll really matter for them if they have a bit of a stopgap here as well.
1: I, I'm a huge uh, big Nintendo fan but I will say in response to that it hasn't hurt them so far. Yeah. Like they have very yeah. few and far between. They have a bunch of exclusive but nothing that's necessarily pulling people away from other systems. Like, it's funny seeing that Mario and uh, Mario vs. Donkey Kong is number one in the UK charts, um, and that's like a Game Boy Advance port. I never knew there was a Mario vs. Donkey Kong handheld series. Um, I missed that thing. I don't even think that game is that good, but, um, <laughs> based on the demo anyway, but it's still selling very well. Um, the next thing down is the Tekken Shop. This comes from an update within Tekken 8 announcing that a Tekken Shop will be added to the game very soon, um, which a lot of fans initially thought Would you just use the remainder of your currency because you get tons of gold in that game. Way more than you would spend in game because you don't need to unlock that much stuff. Um, but um, if you look at the ESRB rating for the game, it's been changed to include in game purchases, um, which is interesting. Tekken 8 has very stripped back customization, especially compared to 7 and 6. Um, and it, it always felt, and I'm like, Tekken 8 is my game of the year by a considerable distance. Um, playing that game a lot and customizing the characters, the customization is very, very solid. And I feel like a lot of the viral videos for that game are just showcasing, like, here's Samus in the game. Like, there's enough component parts to make um to do a lot with but like the general conversation within the fandom is where is the level of customization that we associate with modern Tekken and the then the assumption was always well they'll charge for it yeah. but the assumption was that they would do like a DLC um, you know, a pack, then do different customization skins, whatever it is, um, as opposed to what I assume this is a rotating store of, um, you know, like uh, here's a hat that's available for three hours. I, I, that's me going down the cynical route. Um, and they have Namco have Tret Tekken very well. Tekken Seven got a big long tail on it, lots of DLC, lots of characters, and I just hope they don't detonate the goodwill. Tekken no. Eight is like unbelievable. I would say it's maybe the best Tekken ever made, and so it's it's that want to just keep loving it. I don't want them to. to I don't want them to mess it up. First off, wow. Yeah. Second off, it's always crap,
0: isn't it? When, you know, you have a great game that releases and you think, wow, this is a pro consumer. It's got mm. a lot of content. It's it's to be championed. And then a few weeks later, they try to sneak something like this under the radar. It's a very Activision move, I it think. Is. And that's a... Uh, that's a shame. It's something that I've had to put up in, with in some of my favorite franchises, like Resident Evil 4, having a bunch of weird um, consumables that you can buy or mm. weapons you can buy or shortcuts you can take. And it's just, it just feels like, Do you need this? Do you, need- <laughs> Do you need this extra two quid
1: for I think, a gun? You know what we Capcom. talked about? The, every time they need the extra two quid. Well, we talked about um, the Walking Dead skins and you were like, they've got me. <laughs> I love this thing so much that they've got me. Like, I was playing Fall Guys um, to try and get the Shovel Knight skin. Yeah. I played way more Fall Guys than I ever wanted to to try and get the Shovel Knight drop and it never came because um, their store resets every time. But I needed to get enough medals to be able to buy it. So it was like a whole thing. And then after like two weeks of trying that, I gave up. Tekken has me right now. And it's like one of my favorite franchises of all time that depending on what this shop is, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to break my microtransaction rule necessarily, but I'll be damn tempted depending on what's in there.
0: Listen, like, like you said, I can't talk about actually buying into microtransactions. I think my main problem with the Tekken shop is it kind of, coming in after the mm. fact. If it was there at launch, or at least, you know, we knew that it was coming at launch. Mm. It was advertised as part of the product. I would be less cynical about what it's going to offer. And... Yeah, just because of the context in which it released it, it is this fact that, like, I know Call of Duty is going to try to make as much money off me as possible, <laughs> and I resent them from it, but at least I'm, I'm like, okay, it's Warzone, it's free-to-play, I know what I'm getting into. It's the fact that with Tekken, you kind of thought you were maybe getting something else, in how you're getting this other thing, and it might not even be that bad. Mm. It might, might be really cool what they have to offer. It mm. might be really reasonably priced, but the th- issue is, at this moment in time, we don't know, and it's always that... How far are they gonna? How far will they push it? Yeah. To worry it, also,
1: like to realizing skins. in retrospect that they very much generated this uh, hunger around customization by notably stripping it back, which is what yeah. Mortal Kombat One did, and then overcharged for the skins. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I do have faith in Namco. I love how much Katsuhiro Harada is just out there on Twitter responding to people like every other day. He's a very active, um, you know, one of the. Like fundamental minds behind Tekken, so he'll be front and center if there's a backlash, and he'll have to fend off all those people. So, um, we will see. And um, the final news thing is a Mandalorian game. This comes from various reports, including Insider Gaming and Venture Beats. Jeff Grubb. Um, grubb has been talking about this for a while. The idea that Respawn were working on a, a, a kinetic movement shooter, and um, which, according to these reports, um, is a Mandalorian game, and um, with with various boost mechanics around like double jumping, jumping in general, strafe, dashing, sliding. Apparently, you play as a Mandalorian, not necessarily. Necessarily the Mandalorian, okay. which I guess means that they can sidestep the whole likeness thing if they don't. They don't even need to bother getting Pedro Pascal. I wonder if that means the baby Yoda gets handed between multiple Mandalorians. Yeah, yeah you, you could maybe do. could. Could do. I did. Do you remember thinking in Mando season one where uh, you see all of the other Mandalorians and the different armor types? Yeah. And there's um, there's that Forge Master with the twin hammers or whatever with like the fur round here it's um, kind of color. perfect for a custom character yeah. really, isn't it yeah and it's like you could you could easily see a, man, a wider mandalorian gamelet, and you unlock all these custom armor sets and stuff um, yeah, apparently gameplay is super fast-paced, and there's a mechanic revolving around getting your health back per kill, and um, so you're encouraged to get stuck in. Very much Bloodborne, cool. Very much Tekken 8, uh, <laughs> to be honest. Um, the levels are apparently very linear. And it's not going to be very open world, but it will be uh, various different planets, different biomes, um, and yeah. According to Insider Gaming, weapons and gadgets include a wrist rocket, a grapple hook, a visor for tagging enemies, and bounties and more. And the game is a couple of years away at most.
0: So frustrating when. <laughs> You uh, You have an idea for a game in your head. It's kind of rare that I do. Like, uh, I envision, you know, what this movie would be like if it was adapted, what this TV show would be like if it was adapted. But Mandalorian, even though I don't even love the show that much, I've mm. not watched the latest season or anything like that. No, right no I'm, I'm dead like on Star Wars. An incredible... It is inc- dead. An incredibly casual fan. But the idea of a Mandalorian game has always enticed me. Mm. But my version of a Mandalorian game was always third person and it was always open world. So to see it be a first person game Mm -hmm. and linear with specific levels rather than big open spaces to me that's not necessarily what I would want but I trust Respawn enough Mm -hmm. that they can pull something off because they are first-person shooter gods. It's just that (laughs) after they've kind of proven their mettle in the third-person space with the Jedi series, I kind of, I would have liked a little bit more of that, you know, like being, being a Mandalorian, rocket boosting around, using my wrist, launches and all that jazz. (laughs) Essentially, I want um, Star Wars Boba Fett in- Star Wars Bounty Hunter? Star Wars Bounty Hunter, yeah, sorry. Did they? Star Wars Bounty Hunter in um, modern graphics and with an open world. With proper physics. I I was going to ask you,
1: have we talked about Bounty Hunter- yeah. in our lives because yeah. I love that game it's
0: the best game going it's
1: <laughs> it hasn't aged very well um, <laughs> it is on Xbox backwards compatibility and I bought it and I was like oh my god you forget how badly third person games controlled before <laughs> like you know the, the, the end of the 2000s or whatever um, but it had the right ideas like d- you can target two people at once with the twin pistols That you have the jetpack stuff and um, capturing ba- capturing bounties as you're exploring Coruscant and everything and like yeah there's there's great gameplay ideas there for a bounty hunter game in, in a Star Wars setting and um, I think it's the worst possible time for Star Wars as an IP. Maybe not possible, because it's not 2019 anymore. Yeah, But um, I still feel like the the IP is exhausted. But if you're going to do anything, it would be a Mando Here's the
0: thing. I don't think it is in a game in Mm. space. I feel like the response to the two Jedi games were incredibly positive. Both sold really well, Mm. reviewed well. I know we have issues with the performance, no excuse <laughs> for But they, they patched it. They are, in my opinion, proof that there is a, a lot of hunger for really good Star Wars games. I think you can even look at the reaction to Battlefront Two and say that proves it as well. People only kicked up such a stink around that game because they cared about it. Oh game yeah, because they wanted it to be good, and it eventually was. So I think you are right, and maybe it's a little feels a little late for Mando, especially, but with the movie version of that tv show coming out mm. eventually maybe it's not as dated as we think and it, i think as a ip and as a character a set of characters mm-hmm. that world is so adaptable to video oh, yeah. games anyway that's that's why i always thought it would be open world because you watch even season one of the mandalorian it has so many open world elements in it like he's practically doing side quests <laughs> all the time following trails of blood like you're oh in yeah, Witcher three yeah. or something like it's already gamified in that way
1: the thing is we've got um, Star Wars Outlaw like in the oh, next yeah, few yeah, months yeah. or so and I guess that'll be the open world template. So I wonder if, the, there's always an assumption of organization that is, doesn't, never seems to be true with no. like the amount of projects that are in the works. But if someone was organizing this in the top down in a Kevin Feige-like fashion, you would assume that you green light one big open world thing over here and then do a first person shooter thing over here and do whatever so that they're not overlapping with each other. I so wish they were swapped because I want to <laughs> see, I, I'm, I don't know
0: about you, but I'm hmm. way more interested in a respawn open world than I am a Ubisoft open world, in that. and that I know Outlaws people are people are high in that game, and I, I'm buzzing for them and mm. I hope it's good but I just I just don't trust Ubisoft
1: no, to make I know a compelling
0: open world Star Wars game man. I, I think
1: I'm kind of done with open worlds like for a bit I like the more um, what do you call it where it was a Naughty Dog do it where it's like semi open world like yeah, you get like a wide focused, linear, wide linear like there's a few different terms for it but I like that stuff because um, it's like it, get, it gets the, um, the level of like detail that I want in there and they can they can guide you towards more specific things and to me that like every now and every um, time Naughty Dog on it, it made me think like this is the future of the what what the um, what open world brings to gaming like in terms of like your free form exploration you can do things in a different order, little pockets of AI different encounters and stuff, I just like that I like that more than here's a giant 500 mile square radius that you're never going to see all of anyway um, yeah. but it depends how it's done, like I think that um, yeah, Respawn, like for as much as they're known as the first person shooter people with Apex Legends and Titanfall, like I, weirdly until you said like, I would have taken more the Jedi series. I just forgot those games existed. <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're nailing like the first and third. Hardly any devs can do that. No, it's true. And it's well, like, like, like they're it's, in such a unique position it's, for it. It's so,
0: it's, it's actually, you know, criminal. How well, <laughs> Jedi Survivor plays, yeah. considering that is a team known primarily for first-person games. Mm. Like, you can't set the bar in both areas. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair on everyone else.
1: It's really not. Um,
0: but yeah, to be fair, going to what, back to what you said there about open worlds generally, I'm also with you that I'll mm. I'll always take a smaller, more detailed open world or wide linear level that just cause massive space mm. that you just, you know, fly through and you don't even pay attention to it. But that's kind of, again, what I thought Respawn did really well in... Jedi Survivor, like, it's it's not an open world game, but you get those big open Mm. (laughs) worlds because each um, area is a different planet and you have those massive explorable areas and, like, they have really interesting Metroidvania-style mechanics when you gadgets open certain areas and you're constantly exploring new places within that same Mm Space that you've been on for hours and hours, and I think I just think that's a nice template. I think they had it got Same. a really surprisingly solid rhythm with that sequel that I wasn't expecting. I didn't expect to enjoy a respawn open world in that way, but I ended up doing it, and mm-hmm. I just think that's so much more compelling to me over an Ubisoft. Landscape where it's like here is a thing you can blitz through and it's the best looking thing you've city you've ever seen in your life, but you're not going to remember a single street of it because you're not encouraged to treat it as a real place. Almost
1: no man, the, yeah. Ubisoft's thing is the whole widest notion, an ocean deep as a puddle" yeah. thing, and they'll, th- that'll be their version of it. This to round it up, I think uh, reminded me of Doom the way it's described, like the idea of like a super fast paced kinetic shooter where you know kills give you health. Like I feel like that's I think they're doing Doom with with Mandalorian. I'm back in. <laughs> <laughs> take it all back. No, Doom, Star Wars Doom, yes. Because like Doom Eternal moved so well for like the five of us that love that game. Like, like the consensus, consensus on that thing is so much more negative than the way me and you played through I it. Loved Eternal. I loved it. I love Eternal.
0: I'm going back through them now. I've just started Doom 2016. Oh, really? I've not played that since it came out. Right. And I know it, like so many people when we were loving Eternal hmm. was, was saying, you know, it's not a patch on Doom 2016. Lover Andy Murray in the office was saying it's not a patch in 2016, so they're all wrong. I'm, I'm going back to them, um, and they are still so great. And yeah. if yeah, if we get a Star Wars doom, I will eat my words and shut up and enjoy my slop and, <laughs> and, and, and just rave about it when it comes out.
1: Speaking of enjoying the slop, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. <laughs> I've been your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tailford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. Keep having a good week, and we'll catch you soon. See you later. Goodbye. <laughs>